Welcome to the Bevy Podcast. I'm Hyatt Howard, your host. And here on the Bevy, we have fun and thoughtful conversations with friends. So pull a seat up to the table. Come chill with us. In today's episode, I chat with my friend Blake about his parenting journey. Like me, Blake is a new dad. He and his wife, Nicole, welcomed their first child, Penelope, last year. Hey. What's going on, man? Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on, man. Should be fun. We are very excited to have you on. Blake is a longtime friend. I think I met this dude. I definitely did. Met him before dial-up internet was a thing. <laughs> and when screen names were all the rage. And oh, this yeah. dude had... Blake, what was your screen name? Tell, tell the folks <laughs> what the screen name Listen, uh, I'll tell you the first one. And I'll have to go with the, the original one that only lasted a little while. But the OG is Blake is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Bevy is named after otters, the animals that I most identify with, fun, sociable, and affable. So we ask each of our guests, which animals they most identify with. As we are a bevy, which is a shout out to our otter brethren, our fun-loving, affable otter brethren. And in that vein, man, tell us what your animal is. You know what's funny when you told me about the pod and everything i was kind of thinking about i was like oh man what is my animal i took one of those uh funnily enough the, the harry potter what's your patronus nice it's nice I, nice because me being the 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 hipster that i am i was like all right let's see what cool kind of stuff i'm gonna get like what how unique am i man i got gryffindor as my house i was like oh man gryffindor like such a yeah it feels like such a like the lame answer for that. And anyway, so as I did it, my Patronus was actually an otter. That was really funny when I was thinking about it. I was like, wait a minute. Next, Blake shares the crazy story about when he learned that fatherhood was on the horizon. There's a really popular saying that being a dad or becoming a dad is very easy, but being a dad is a whole nother story. And mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about when you got the news. When I found out that Penelope was coming, there was no pandemic, right? This was, I want to say October. And I had gotten into it with one of my managers. And I said, you know what? I'm done. Like I quit. Like I'm tired of this. I can find a job somewhere else. So literally I got off the phone with the director on Friday afternoon. And she said, is there anything we can do? I said, no. I said, if something crazy happens, I'll give you a call, but I'm pretty sure like I'm, I'm all set. The two weeks and then we'll, we'll part ways. Got off the phone. Nicole was on a business trip. Disney flew her out to LA to Word. do one of their new cruise lines because she writes about it. It was a big deal. It was a lot of fun. And she, she's having a great time, right? So I'm like not telling her that I've done this, right? Oh, oh, wait. So just to clarify there. You have officially quit the job. Oh, Your yeah. wife is on a cruise with yes. Disney, which sounds amazing and magical. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's a wonderful time. And her husband, unbeknownst to her, has been like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Chuck the deuces and left. Sunday, I go to work, you know, like it, as you do, you know. And I think I had swapped shifts with somebody, too. So I came home a little bit earlier. So I came home at like, you know, the 10 o'clock or something. And I walk through the door, I come in, say hello. Nicole's in bed because it's a little later. And I say, hey, love you. I'm going to jump in the shower. And she kind of has this look on her face. And I'm looking at her. And I look at the bed. 
and on my pillow is an Atlanta United onesie. <laughs> and onesie. I just looked at it, a onesie, Atlanta United onesie. And I just looked at me and I just started laughing. Of course, I quit my job the day she finds out. What a whirlwind of events. So what did Blake do? So Monday morning, hey, so can I have my job back? Yeah, it. I literally had to like beg for my job back. I mean, they took me back and I have to walk through the door and everyone's like, uh, I thought you quit. No, no, I did. I did. For 48 hours, I quit. Uh, I am back. That was like I'm... one of those Lazarus moments. With a new family member on the way, it's not uncommon for people to make lifestyle changes. Up next, we hear about the ones Blake made. Now, one thing that I, I find interesting is when people find out they're going to be a dad, I've had people say, oh, I started making all these different life changes. Some people, you know, decide they want to work out more. Did you do any or make any major lifestyle changes? Yeah, I uh, quit my job again. <laughs> again? Huge <laughs> <laughs> lifestyle right. change. So when this is all going on, I work in the emergency department, right? Like that's okay. where COVID is. At the beginning of this, we didn't know. Her OB was back and forth with us on like, if I need to be at work, if I don't need to be at work, like if she, if I need to isolate, I'm talking to my friends that are frontline of the adult hospitals that work at Emory with the CDC. Like I know like uh, a few docs that like work extensively on this stuff. Right. I was on the Ebola response team back Mm -hmm. in what, 15 or 14 when that was all going down. So I'm using my connections to try to figure out like, yo, am I going to give my daughter some, if my wife gets this while we're pregnant, like, what are we going to do? Right. So I kind of went up to my job and I was like, yo, I'm going to go out on leave. And they're like, oh, when you come back? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, after my daughter's born, uh, I took a leave and I still technically worked there, but I just didn't, you know, log any hours. So until Penelope was born from March until June, I just, yeah, kind of became a stay at home dad. And that's kind of what's, what's been happening because Nicole is the primary breadwinner, right? So yeah, yeah I man, mean, that's Mr. Mr. Mom stuff, you know, <laughs> that is a very interesting thing to bring up. I mean, one of the things that at least growing up when we did in the 90s, stay at home dads, it was kind of like unicorns, these mystical mm-hmm. beings that mm-hmm. <laughs> like existed mm-hmm. here or there in, in pop culture. And when they did are in much less real life, and when they were shown, they were seen as kind of you know, awkward or I would say uh, not as readily embraced it it seemed kind Mm -hmm. of unusual masculine yeah Yeah. exactly so from your vantage point what was that like did you have to kind of shift gears in terms of your perspective at all and embracing this new role of stay-at-home dad or did you kind of find the the transition seamless you know i am i think unique in a lot of my thinking because i grew up with just my mom my dad was not around. So when I was a kid, all I wanted was a dad. Like all I wanted to be was a dad. The older I got, the more I realized like, man, I really want to be a good father. Right. So I was always kind of thinking about it. Like, how would I do this? How would I do that? Like, what am I going to do in this? Like, you know, and try to prepare myself. And one of the reasons I went to the pediatric hospital because when I'm working on the ambulance and stuff, when, when a pediatric or a kid comes in, everybody panics because it feels different. You know what I mean? It's not a grandma. It's not even a, a man who got in a car wreck. It's, it's a child. So I went to the pediatric hospital to, to get comfortable with that. So I'd be prepared. 
I've been coaching since I was a teenager. I've been a substitute teacher. So I've been around kids my whole life. Heck, I'm basically a child myself. So I was always like wanting to be around, always wanting to be home. And a lot of guys aren't, don't feel like that. A lot of women too, right? Like it's not to me a good or a bad thing. It's just a thing. Some people just have that paternal slash maternal instinct. And I always like try to cultivate it. So I I came in not overconfident, but all the things that I think people normally struggle with swaddling, diaper feeds, health of the baby, what's a a sick baby, what's not a sick baby, is this normal? I knew that. What I had to figure out was my own self. I credit my wife a lot because she helped me realize that what I suffer from is I don't have a temper. I have anxiety problems. You know what I mean? I, I've always had like a quick trigger, right? Like, you know me, like I'll get hot. I'll be ready. Clearly I'll get a little hot at work and like traffic, get a little road ragey. And my wife really helped me see that was anxiety. And I had to get over that. And like when the baby was crying or was upset or I couldn't fix it, it ramped up my anxiety in my head. I understood, okay, she's crying. Cause that's the, that's the only move she's got. She's like, like when you first play Mortal Kombat, like she's just down punch, down punch, down punch. That's all she's got. Right. You know, I'm upset, right. cry. I'm hungry, cry. You know, I'm scared, cry. Whatever it is, cry. I'm not any of those things. I'm just crying because that's all I have. Which I will say it, is an effective move, by the way. Oh, Mortal God. Kombat. Yeah, no, it'll work. It, <laughs> might piss, it might piss you off, but it'll work. You'll get that, you'll get that KO in no time. <laughs> right. So diaper changes, feeding the baby, how to hold the baby, all that I was good. I've been working in pediatrics for like four years now. I was comfortable, but man, I really had to seek help. And I ended up getting on medication, which is something I always told myself I wasn't going to do because to me, medication was just saying that I couldn't handle it. Like, yo, you can handle it. I understood like what depression was and things like that. But what I failed to realize or, or see about myself was that it was anxiety. It was these feelings of ramped up. And, and I acted like I had, times where I just like, I broke down. I had a, like a, a straight mental breakdown one night and Nicole was holding the baby. And I was just literally in like, basically on the floor crying, just sitting on the floor. I had no idea what to do. And I just told myself like, I, this isn't, this isn't fair to Penelope. This isn't fair to Nicole. Like I have to figure out my own stuff here. I talked to a therapist. I got on some anti-anxiety medication and it's a big difference. Yeah. I can feel things that used to get me going, like get ramped up. I can feel that kind of happening, but it doesn't overtake me anymore. And that's a point that we have to underscore in in all these discussions is that Mm -hmm. we can't properly care for someone else if we're not properly caring for ourselves. And I commend you and thank you for sharing so authentically about these issues of mental health and anxiety and seeking therapists, licensed therapists who you trust and who has the training to diagnose you and also prescribe the right medication. Because at the end of the day, our minds, that's kind of the wellspring of of our wellness and health. And if we are able to deal effectively and lovingly and caringly with ourselves, we can truly come out here and love love other people. So man, kudos to you for, for doing that. And some of the best advice I got as a parent was from another parent who struggled for about two years with this new role that she was embracing. And she said, look, as a parent, you will feel all sorts of emotions, anger, anxiety, frustration, happiness, joy, whatever you're feeling in that moment, 
it's okay, it's fine, because there's such this expectation to be a certain way because they're your kids, right? And you Mm -hmm. love them, you know you love them, right? And Mm -hmm. you want to do well for them, but not every day, not every moment, not every minute (laughs) is going to feel magical, right? (laughs) Right? Right. Am I right? No, it's... my. My wife is so wise. She does a lot of reading, right? So I feel like I'm going to keep saying, well, my wife said, my wife said, but man, I couldn't do this without Nicole. Like I've got all of the like physical things, right? Like I taught her how to do a diaper. I taught her how to hold a baby. I taught her how to this, that, but she, man, she is definitely my rock on this one. She, two things that she told me that always, the one that have stuck with me so far, and I hope always do. One is, is like in the same vein that you were just saying, is when you when when you were yelling at your child, you were just showing your child that you have lost control. Mm-hmm. You have lost control of the situation, and that was with my anxiety. I realized like I lose control, and I think as men, a lot of the times we the toxic max, masculinity, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, creeps in. Like you're the dad, you're in charge, da da da. You've got to be, but like you don't. If you take a step back, take a step back, and remove yourself from the situation, get back in control. Because the other thing that Nicole said one day that really stuck with me is you're not teaching them to be kids. They're kids already. You were teaching them to be adults. And if you want to sit there and tell your child, like, look, you have to be calm. You can't throw this temper tantrum. You can't do this. Well, when she sees me get mad or sees me get overwhelmed, what do I do? You know what I mean? I can tell her all at once. But if she sees that, you know what I mean? Like, whether she realizes it or not, she's going to soak it up like a sponge. So... Next, Blake shares some of the parenting challenges that he's had with little Penelope and what the future may hold. Like she thinks the word no is funny. She's got this sly little smile. Like when she's going somewhere she's not supposed to, which is mostly like the cat bowl and cords. She like was saying Penelope, Penelope Reese, no. And she'll look and she'll like smile. And sometimes she'll crawl faster. And like, I just, I don't even get mad because I'm like, dang it. That's just. That's my bad. That's on me. That's that's my genetics right there. You know, so I'm hoping yeah. I can keep that patience when she's 11 and giving me attitude. Because <laughs> I mean, right now you're like, thankfully, it's like cat bulls and go, you know, Corey. She wants to hang out in this house. No, so right. it's gonna be like, I'm gonna be out I here know. in this Tesla, Dad. And then oh, she can man. hop down easily enough if you really wanted to. I've been there. Who hasn't jumped out of a two story? building to sneak out at night you know what i'm saying (laughs) so at some point we're just going to invest on window alarms man (laughs) i'm actually really curious about your take on social media so when nicole's job is inherently more public right people message her all the time about the silliest things Uh, they read her articles they find her personal email find her whatever but when you're a writer, they'll plug your Twitter or they'll plug your Instagram. My baby and my dog are both sponsored. Thanks, BarkBox. And the baby gets so many, I don't even, can't even call any of those out. But so she's got however many thousands of followers. And it's not a huge thing. She's not Cher or Katy Perry. But she's a more public figure. And so like with her podcast and stuff, people come to her page and it's all open. And she's very open with her stuff. And I am open about things. I'm very vocal, as you know, on like Black Lives Matter, the pandemic, things that are social issues to me that are important to speak out on. Mm-hmm. And I put about the baby and mostly her being cute or being silly or whatever. And I 
don't really post about things that bother me or that are important to me. And that was something Nicole had to really kind of work through is because she's like, you never post about me. I was like, yeah, well, that's to me, that's private. Yeah. The baby being silly. Here you go. Look at that. Every once in a while, I'll share something a little more deep just because I feel like with my struggles, like I said before, like I feel it's helpful to read that with other people or I'll argue a point with somebody else. But to me, arguing is not, I'm not going to change that person's mind, but a third person might be reading that and have similar feelings to me and, and get ideas from me or see that they're not alone or whatever it is. So sometimes I post these things for like the, the tertiary audience, Yep. you know, yep. people feel alone. I felt alone. And I feel like if you're more open, maybe even if it's just a, for 10 seconds on Facebook, you can see somebody and share feelings with somebody, you know? Up next, Blake shares his proudest parental accomplishment. As you're like, thinking about this next season of, of parenting, what do you, en- do you envision? I mean, like the toddler years are quickly approaching, right? Yeah. How are you feeling about that? Like, how as you look back on this first year? How do you feel like you've done? I am most proud of the thing I spoke with before about getting my anxiety under control mm-hmm. for myself. The rest of it, I felt ready for. So that part, I feel like I prepared well with the anxiety thing and getting my, my own self under control is really good. But it's really, the days are long, but the years are short. And it's such a cliche, but like, sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, if we can just get to six o'clock. And then it's bath time and then we'll get her to bed and then me and Nicole can hang out on the couch. We'll hang on the couch for like an hour and then we go to bed. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and suddenly we'll look back and we're like, where did our little potato go? It feels like yesterday we had this thing in my arms that, that could barely turn her head, would barely coo. And now this morning I got her up. I let Nicole sleep in. So just me and Penelope. And she's playing by herself on the floor talking to her Cinderella doll. Just babbling, just all I'm like, I have an adult here. <laughs> she she picks out her bows that she wants to wear. I mean, mostly it's just grabbing the shiniest one. But Nicole <laughs> will hand her her little bucket of bows because her hair is in her face now. And she picks one up and we put it in her hair and she seems happy. And we put on Moana and she claps and dances to all the songs and just man, it's so crazy how fast it goes. Next up. Blake shares his advice on parenting. If you had to kind of recommend to a new dad, a new parent who's kind of coming into the season, maybe someone like yourself, we've seen the pandemic. There's been so many people who've been impacted financially, who have had hours cut, shifts cut. Maybe they're going in a different job. They don't know what's going to come next, uh, but they do have this young, bright person coming into their life soon. What would you say to them? One of the things that I have learned about life, you will do what you have to do. I've been homeless for a little while, living out of my car. I've lived in like my friend's living room. I've couch surfed. I've been a trash man. I've worked at Publix. I've gone to school at night and worked during the day. You know, I've lived in just shady situations, but you you just have to do what you got to do. And I think with parenting, I think we have all these expectations for giving your kid the world because of course you want to, but like sometimes, you know, your baby's got a bath, your baby ate and you know, maybe they didn't eat as often as it's supposed to, or maybe they missed a nap or whatever, but that's all right. Yeah. Get up and just try your best for your kid, you know, and, yeah. and that's all you can do. Well, 
That wraps us up today for The Bevy. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to give a big thanks to Blake for sharing his story. Also, for all the parents out there, both new and old, or if you know someone who's a parent, give them a hug today. As we've learned, it's a tough job. See you next time. Peace.